It has become painfully evident that our nation desperately needs to quickly, affordably, and reliably test its citizens for the COVID-19 virus. Because of brilliant entrepreneurs like our next guest, this need is being solved for by his company's first of its kind at-home rapid COVID test. A test using a self-administered nasal swab and is proving to be 99% effective even with asymptomatic patients. Peter Marks, the managing partner of Biology Works, joins us during this episode to discuss his team's use of seven patents developed by the Alfred Mann Foundation for Scientific Research, how his team is navigating the FDA's emergency use authorization, and why Peter is so passionate about delivering this rapid and reliable at-home COVID test to the masses. Join us for this timely, energizing, and hopeful message as we continue to work together to battle this pandemic. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Peter, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm looking forward to this conversation regarding your efforts in building the first of its kind at-home COVID-19 test. But before we dive into this work, Peter, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment and visit passionatepioneers.com in order to share your feedback and ideas. Simply scroll to the comments section at the bottom of each posted episode. And lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, Peter, we have a lot to cover today. A lot of great things happening in your camp over at Biology Works. But before we go there, give us a little bit of that founder's journey. You've even served publicly in the capacity down in the city of Los Angeles. Give us that journey, Mm -hmm. and then we'll tee up Biology Works. Sure. That sounds good. Thank you for having me. So the way we started to say it was on a pretty tragic personal note which I lost my sister to cancer. And one of the things that, you know, obviously on the personal side, you know, it was upsetting in every possible way. But that little sort of biotech-oriented side of my brain went off, and I realized during her entire eight years of fighting cancer, she had been faced with getting gene tests, you know, molecular genetics tests. And they were inaccessible, they were expensive, they were hard to get, they were mysterious. They could only be done, you know, in remote places, centralized laboratories and all the rest of it. Working with a friend of mine who was at the Alfred Mann Foundation, we really started to think about how we might do something which allowed us to be able to do a gene test, looking for a DNA or an RNA sequence in a small solid state device that you could hold in the palm of your hand. You know, what would it take to do the polymer chemistry, the biochemistry, the electronics, you know, all the digital side of it, so that, you know, we would be able to go and look for a virus, look for bacteria, look for a gene sequence, look for a messenger RNA or microRNA, things like that. That started us on a journey, I hate to say it, before coronavirus, you know, when the world was still normal. And when we finally aligned all of the work with the Mann Foundation and we started to build the team, that's when the pandemic started. And we had originally thought that we were going to work on influenza, 
but obviously COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2 represented a thing that we could not pass up. It's the tragedy of our time. And so we took the technology and we really applied what we really think is a long-term opportunity to be able to do, you know, looking for sequences of nucleic acids. But obviously the nucleic acid that we're all interested in finding today is COVID-19. And we're going to go there in just a moment and talk more about that. But before we go there, Peter, can you describe a little bit for our community who the Alfred Mann Foundation is? Sure. So Al Mann, who's gone, I'm afraid, but his foundation was the one that invented the cochlear implant. They invented the insulin pump, did artificial nerves, all sorts of really interesting and extremely significant inventions, innovations in the medical world. He was a pretty far-reaching guy. And so one of the things that they invented was is that they created this polymer monolith, basically a single molecule, you know, a type of plastic that acts as a magnet for DNA and RNA. And what it allows us to do is, is that it allows us to take a sample you know, saliva, nasal swab, buccal cells, things like that, blood, and collect all of the nucleic acids and concentrate them into a small area. And so it replaces the idea of using a centrifuge. So we can make something that doesn't have any moving parts, which obviously makes it a lot less expensive and a lot easier to use. It means that we can take something that doesn't require a central laboratory and put it into a small device that really can work anywhere. And the Mann Foundation has been really an excellent partner for us. And how did you originally connect with the Mann Foundation? We have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs and startups in the community and always want to know, how does one like Peter get connected with such an amazing organization like the Mann Foundation? I hate to say, you know, the old joke about 50% of work is simply showing up for the job. 100%. And in this case, I hate to say it, it's getting over the inhibition and actually just making the phone call. You know, the old thing of, there's only six degrees of separation between any two people on the planet. It's true. You can find your way into almost any organization. And in our case, we reached out. We were actually able to have meetings in person because this was in 2019. And we built a relationship. And then over time, we built trust. And they allowed us to take the technology out. And they even gave us, you know, they clearly had put a lot of investment into that polymer. And they really set us up. They really did a great job. And so it was up to us to go build all the other relationships to raise money, you know, build the team, do all that sort of stuff. But the Mann Foundation has been a very steadfast partnership with us. I couldn't agree more with you, Peter. It's amazing when you just pick up the phone or you type out an email and you go for an ask, what can happen? I couldn't agree more with you on that. So thank you for sharing that. And Peter, thank you for sharing the background and the journey of how you connected with all of this and put this organization together, which is Biology Works. And I'm looking forward to learning more about your patent-protected COVID-19 testing technology and how our community can access the innovation after we get back from thanking our community champion sponsor. ClearChild leverages technology, the power of psychology and human interaction to diagnose, treat, and improve the success and happiness of children who are affected by mental and behavioral health challenges such as autism, ADHD, and learning issues. They know that with the right treatments, therapies, and support, children can see measurable improvement across their mental health, happiness, and overall life functioning. Their AI-enabled mobile technology facilitates ongoing data collection, improving the efficacy of their program with every child they help. ClearChild Psychology serves both families as well as partner clinicians to ensure they are putting help in the hands of the most families possible and paving the way in providing affordable, 
and accessible mental health care for the millions of children in need of support. We are incredibly grateful for Clear Child's support of our future generations and for their community champion sponsorship of Passionate Pioneers. To learn more about Clear Child, head over to clearchildpsychology.com slash passionate pioneers or visit the episode notes and click on their link. We are back with Peter Marks, Managing Partner of Biology Works, and we have a lot to discuss. Peter, thank you again for being with us today. I know how busy you are and moving forward and bringing your COVID-19 at-home testing technology out to the masses. So you already teed it up a bit. You gave us that history lesson with the Mann Foundation and working with them and really applying that technology to what you guys are doing today. So there we were beginning of 2020, the pandemic breaks out. You mentioned earlier in 2019, you were meeting with the foundation and then 2020 hits. Can you give us now that journey of repurposing and taking this technology and addressing it for these needs that we have with this pandemic? Sure. So our approach is pretty simple. I hate to say that the medical industry, I think everybody would agree, is, you know, it's a perfect example of a highly regulated industry. You have a lot of regulatory fair stuff. You have a lot of lawyers. You have a lot of considerations around risk, mitigation, you know, human subjects, et cetera. However, in my world, and I come out of the tech world, I actually wrote a bunch of software a long time ago on radiology when I was at UCLA. And then I left that world and I went into the tech world. I went to go work for places like Apple. I went to, wrote a ton of software disguised as video games and cloud services and mobile apps and all the rest of it. And so when you come from the perspective that we have, we really like to move quickly. And so we built a team. And this is an interesting challenge here because we have a team that is composed of polymer chemists, biochemists, mechanical engineers, optical, fluidics, software engineers, you know, folks who are electrical engineers. You know, there's a lot of engineering, as you can tell, right, in science. And then you combine into it people who are working on the digital aspects of it, the user experience, the user interface, the usability of things. And then you layer on top of that, obviously, all the regulatory affairs and the lawyer side of it. But the core of the team is basically a bunch of extremely talented, relatively young career, can-do people. You know, there's nothing quite like having to set up a chemistry lab and, you know, a, quite a serious one in the middle of a pandemic. Yet somehow or another, we did that. And we're at a, essentially a shared laboratory space in Pasadena Biocollaborative. And they've been terrific for us. And what we've done is that we set up a polymer lab, we set up a 3D printing lab, we set up a, a lyophilization, a biochemistry, molecular biology, et cetera. And then alongside that, we've had to design our own circuit boards. We've had very close relationships with the silicon providers, the, basically the people who provide us with the computer chips, the people who manufacture plastics, Lots and lots and lots of cross-domain functioning. You know, a team that is both virtual because we're doing this during a pandemic. So strangely enough, there's a lot of people who have worked very closely with each other who've actually never met. I joke that I don't know how tall some of the people that I work with, even though I see them every day. And the result is that we've been able to move extremely quickly. You know, in less than a year, we've gone from having essentially a set of patents and some ideas and a lot of chemistry work to being able to have a small USB or battery-operated device that runs a series of gene tests, because that's really what they are, to recognize whether there's a presence of a human sample, the endogenous control, 
and whether there's the presence of a virus like COVID or influenza. And so that team is really the functional thing. And building that team and being willing to really invest in human beings to do it is the core of everything for us. Wow. Yeah. And I'm fortunate as well here at Olive with my day job. I haven't met the majority of my colleagues either. So it is an interesting time to work with these people on the daily, but we have never physically met. It is very interesting, a time I know that none of us will certainly forget. But Peter, in talking about the technology itself, you know, in getting ready for this episode with you, I noticed that you and the company are mentioning that this test is the only at-home molecular rapid COVID-19 test with 99% accuracy, even in those with asymptomatic presentation. Mm-hmm. Can you describe a little bit more about that? Maybe dive in the weeds a bit on the actual technology, and then we'll discuss kind of distribution in the marketplace, regulatory, and all that good stuff. But let's start with the technology first. Sure. So about 30 years ago, a group of innovative folks at Icon Chemical came up with a, you know, a technique called LAMP, uh, L-A-M-P. And uh, in the computer world, we'd call that Linux, Apache, MySQL, you know, PHP, Perl. But in the chemical world, it's basically a poor man's PCR. It's a way of amplifying DNA. And then you can attach, in our case, we attach a fluorescent dye to it. And the growth of the amount of that dye indicates that the gene sequence we're looking for is present. And so we're doing a lamp assay. But we're doing a lamp assay in a very small physical space and a very small amount of liquid. And then we're using devices that have only just become available uh, very recently. We have a 10-channel spectrometer that we use. It's in a computer chip that's about half the size of a grain of sushi rice. And then alongside that, we've built an entire you know, solid-state device that basically pumps thermal energy and optic energy, light, into this chemistry, and then it measures the response. And it does it in a very, very small device, you know, call it the size of a pack of playing cards, if you will, that uses a small amount of energy. It takes about 17 seconds or so to heat up, and then it sits there, and if you're positive for COVID, it'll take you eight to 10 minutes, plus or minus two, And if you're negative, then the assay runs for 25 because you're really proving a negative at that point. And the result is is that I'm actually calling you right now. I'm actually in the downtown Los Angeles. I'm actually down on Skid Row of all places because one of the places that we're actually using this for our clinical evaluation is actually to help the sheltered and the unsheltered populations here in Los Angeles. And such a, a test like this allows us to get immediate results Now, the rate of infectivity is relatively low, but when somebody is infectious, they walk into a shelter and they get 30 people sick. And so having a rapid at-home test is much less about the test. It's much more about having a hall pass to be able to go out and be in your life. We're really viewing this less of a, even though it's obviously a very interesting combination of high technology and integration and everything else, but we really view this as being less of a medical test and more of hall pass to go resume your normal life. And so what you're really trying to say is is that I don't have COVID much more than you're trying to say that I do have COVID, if that helps. It certainly does. I do also want to flag really quick. Thank you for being proactive in serving our vulnerable communities and getting out there and driving your technology forward to serve them. It is to be commended. And thank you for that, Peter. Let's also now talk about where you are at currently with the technology distribution 
and regulatory. Let's first start on regulatory. What does this look like in regards to FDA approval, regulatory? And then we'll talk about going distributing in the marketplace. Sure. So the FDA, you know, this is a crisis. I mean, I think it goes without saying. So the FDA has been very proactive about doing an emergency use authorization, EUA. And it doesn't mean that it's approved. It means that it's authorized. And so we're pre-EUA. We are not authorized. We're not approved. But we're in the process. And we've been talking with the FDA. The FDA has been excellent. They put a lot of time into responding and working with us to really align us so that when we submit for the authorization, that the authorization will come, you know, hopefully pretty quickly because they've been so methodical and really put a lot of time and art into their responses with us. But the fact of the matter is, is that when the FDA receives our EUA application, we want it to go through the first time. And so working with the FDA, you know, obviously we'd love everything to go faster, but we're during a pandemic. You know, the governments are obviously going through a lot of dynamic issues and challenges all the way around. And so what we found is, is that the regulatory fair side goes both slower, faster, and also requires considerable amount of effort. It's certainly as much effort as the engineering efforts to get right. And where are things currently? Here we are back into February of 2021. When do you anticipate all of this wrapping up or is that something that maybe you're still working through? I don't want to commit the federal government because they're obviously a lot larger and they've got a few more things on their plate than we do. <laughs> Absolutely. But I, but I will say that our expectation is when we do submit, which is pretty shortly, that they have 45 days to say thumbs up or thumbs down. And our goal, obviously, is to get the thumbs up. And so in every indication is, by the way, between working with the Gates Foundation and the Mann Foundation, and working with our clinical partners and who we're partnered up with, there's every reason to think that they're taking us as seriously as they can possibly take us. And I just don't see any issues with the FDA. And are you guys looking OUS as well? Have you sought your CE mark? Are you looking outside the U.S. right now or down the road? What's the status on outside of the United States? So absolutely. You and I are both in the U.S. and this is our country and everything else. But truth be told, this is only 4% of the world's population. And so when you really get in the effects of the pandemic, as bad as they are in the United States, have been so much worse across so much more of the world. And so we are working with partners in Asia, South Asia. We're working with partners in Africa, the Middle East, and obviously in Europe. And to answer your question with regards to the CE mark, absolutely, definitely, no question about it. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing that, Peter. And then also, Turning now over to distribution, once you do have the approval, how are you going to go about distributing this? What channels, you know, how is this going to get in the hands of our community members across the nation? That's an excellent question. So I've never spent a lot of time thinking about how to get reimbursements or anything like that. That was never our goal. Our goal with this project was actually personal empowerment. We really wanted to be, our model, quite frankly, was is that our ideal consumer is mom. It's mom with a kid. And what we wanted to be able to give her the ability to do was to say, okay, my kid has sniffles, which is, by the way, you know, it's not a particularly medical term. And she needs to make a decision. She needs to make a decision about, is this just a cold, you know, something that will resolve itself? Is this something more serious, like the flu? Does she have to go to the doctor? Should she have to take time off from work? Is the kid well enough to go to school? You know, those are the sort of personal questions that we really wanted to be able to empower 
her to be able to make without really much more inconvenience than pulling out a thermometer. That was our goal. And so then the question of distribution comes up. And so we had a feeling that we really wanted to go after, you know, classic consumer products distribution. We wanted to go to retail distribution, you know, through all the normal ways to reach normal individual human beings. However, COVID is quite different. In the case of COVID, the major purchasers of what we're doing are governments. And so we've been working closely with a number of different governments and a number of different folks who talk to governments about how to get our assay and our innovation, if you will, into the hands of people, but through the government side, which is not what I would have ever chosen for a startup business to go do. Because we all know that in the case of a startup versus government, that's a very unequal relationship. I'll use an example. When I was a CTO for the city of Los Angeles, it takes the city of Los Angeles on average 450 days between the time that they decide that they want to buy something and the time that they can actually get that something. And that's obviously really challenging for a startup. So most startups really focus on faster moving business models. And the COVID, you know, is a really super unusual situation. And so our earliest customers are actually, well, governments. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. It makes perfect sense. And Peter, I'm just curious. It just popped in my head when you're mentioning your work as a CTO, as the CTO for the city of Los Angeles. And when you start thinking about big venues, right? Los Angeles Mm -hmm. baseball stadium for the Dodgers, or, you know, I actually had a fortunate opportunity when I was playing college football to play in the Coliseum against USC. Do you know there you are? Yeah, we got our butts kicked, but it was an amazing experience. But in regards to this test, have you given it thought? Or maybe you haven't, but I'm thinking in my own head, might this technology be at the gates before going into a venue to watch a sporting event or a concert or congregating amongst the masses? What are your thoughts there? This is where we really come from as a digital company, because we're really much more of a digital side than we are a medical side. And so I would actually even work the thread a little bit further. And I would say, before you ever left for the game, you need to know that you have the ability to walk in the gate. And so we really wanted to be able to give you a pass. So before you leave for the airport, take the test, add it onto your boarding pass. Now you don't have to worry about being turned away from the airplane, as an example. Oh, how cool. Uh, you know, if you take your family to the baseball game, you don't want to go through the embarrassment of being turned away. I mean, how humiliating. Uh, hey, can you step out of line? Oh, by the way, sorry, you're infectious and you're not allowed into the game, I mean, that is the worst possible user experience. So far, far better to just do that at home and then be able to go to the game with the certainty that you're going to be able to have the enjoyable experience. That's the way that we're thinking about it. That's brilliant. Yep, that makes perfect sense. And truly too, right? If you're getting ready to head into the stadium, like you said, watch a Dodgers game and you do test negative, not only is it embarrassing, but then it gets everybody around you thinking, well, wait a minute, I just got done tailgating with you for the past hour and a half. You know, what does that mean for everybody as well? So well said, Peter, and then thinking through the use case there. So changing gears a bit, I want to flip the script on you. You and the team are doing amazing work and driving this innovation forward, which is going to help millions and potentially billions of people on this planet. But let's flip the script on you. We have an Mm. incredible community that has rallied around this podcast across the world. What is one thing that we can be helping you with? What can we be contemplating? And coming back to you with some ideas or suggestions, what's one problem, need, or question that you guys have that maybe we can be helping with? Well, I will say the following, which is that um, there's an old adage in government, and I know this will sound really funny, but never waste a crisis. 
And in the case of COVID, I mean, it is the crisis of our time. There's no getting around that. So what would I ask to change? Well, I would ask to change the following, which is that somehow or another, we've gotten into this belief that in order to learn something about ourselves, that we have to go to the medical industry to find out. You know, when my mom got pregnant with me, she had to go to a doctor to find out that she was pregnant because there was no early pregnancy test at that time. And there was a lot of controversy around the early pregnancy test. And to a certain degree, we have the same challenges today with even knowing whether we have a cold or the flu, or we can get into a lot of other types of infections, whether they're STIs or any number of different things, right? And so I'll give you examples of things like gene tests that are really fairly straightforward, which is, you know, hey, did the fish I bought at the supermarket, is that really the fish I think it is? You know, is that contamination or that water or that whatever it happens to be? Those are not necessarily medical tests in the grand big medical universe. Learning whether you have cancer is a really an order of magnitude more complicated than learning whether you have a head cold. Yet we put the two of them on the same playing field and we look at them in very much the same way. And we have a sort of a centralized laboratory approach towards all this. And what I think of it is, is that it's very similar to the way we used to think about computers. You know, there used to be a mainframe. People would go to the mainframe to run their computer program. They would get the results. They'd walk away. And as soon as we started to distribute information and technology to individuals, that's how we got to things like the Internet and websites, streaming video. You know, Netflix would not really work that well if we all had to go to the mainframe computer center on campus. And so I would ask your audience to do is to really examine how they think about personal health care, not the really big issues, you know, cancer, heart disease, things like that. But how do we drive down empowerment and distribution of knowledge and information, the ability for people to make personal decision making, that sort of stuff down into the hands of those individuals and not necessarily have them all have to go to the medical universe to find out even basic information. And I think a lot of the tech world has really been working very hard at doing this, but I think that we have a lot of work left to do to drive data, techniques, technology, processes, inventions into the hands of consumers so that they can actually better handle their healthcare and then obviously their community's healthcare. Brilliant. Thank you for sharing that, Peter. And of course, back to the Netflix example, if we had to go to the mainframe, there certainly would not be any Netflix and chilling, that's for sure. <laughs> so. You were spot on in that example. I loved it. So thank you for sharing that. All joking aside, I couldn't agree more. This is a moment in time where we can harness this opportunity. Like you just mentioned it. And I also agree that, you know, amidst a great crisis is a great opportunity as well. So let's harness that and drive exactly this notion of empowerment forward. So thank you again for sharing that, Peter. If I could just say one thing here in Los Angeles, I see lines of people waiting to get COVID tests. And obviously, you know, for something like a vaccine, you know, as you're waiting in line to get a vaccination, that's obviously delivering of a drug. But the idea that somebody has to go wait in line outdoors, you know, for hours to take a test that they then get the results a day or two later, I just feel like we should be better than that. We should be at a higher level than that. And the technology is clearly there for us to be able to do that. Bravo. Well, let's also share where can we get a hold of you online so we can continue this conversation? social media handles, websites, or otherwise, where can we find you? 
the easiest way is obviously you can find me on LinkedIn. You know, it's Peter Marks. M is a Mary, A-R-X is an X-ray. Or you can send me an email at peter.marks at biologyworks, one word, dot com. And it's uh, P-E-T-E-R dot M-A-R-X at biologyworks.com. Easy enough. And we'll also have those included in our episode notes. So in your favorite podcast player, simply scroll down and click on through. You'll find all those contact points for Peter and his team in the episode notes. Additionally, you can head over to passionatepioneers.com, our free global online community. There will be a post on the website that will have all of the episode notes and an area for you to leave comments, suggestions, thoughts, and ideas for Peter and his team. Again, over at passionatepioneers.com. Well, Peter, thank you again for being with us today. I appreciate you taking the time out spending time with our community and sharing all the wonderful work that you and the team at Biology Works is pushing forward. We look forward to continuing to get your updates. Do keep us posted how we can continue to be of help. But for now, again, thank you so much for being with us today, Peter. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Take good care. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.